Hello, welcome to the 30 going on 13, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see if our mics are working. Wow, this is an ab workout, hold on. The oh, there you go. Okay. Better? Yeah, I think that's better. Chip, mic chip, mic chip. What a Chelsea. Oh, that's why I don't hear you. Say it again. Hello? Four, five. <laughs> okay, your audio sounds good. Okay. All right, I'm doing no headphones. That's weird. I need to see if that's still too loud or not. <laughs> Get comfortable. This shirt is way too tight. The gym gains, baby. Are we good? 20 hours later. We are ready. I think we're good. Are you ready? Does my feet look big? That's like my biggest oh. pet peeve. That your, your feet, feet look big? Oh my god. Okay, so. Okay. Hi, Chels. Hey. <laughs> I'm so excited that you finally started. <laughs> It's been it's been a good hour, <laughs> at least. At least. No, I'm kidding, guys. She she has all down packed. <laughs> Not really, but it's fine. No, she really does. She really does. I'm impressed. Thanks, girl. No problem. Um, Chelsea Cobarcus. Thank you for I'm coming here. <laughs> Thank you for coming on Thirty Going On Thirteen. Thanks for having me. Of course. So usually you're doing the interviewing. So how does it feel to be interviewed today? So exciting. <laughs> Because I'm not thinking, right? You're just While like, the person is talking, actually, it's really bad because half the time I'm not listening to what the person is saying. I'm just thinking about the next question. Yeah. I'm just like, all right, I just got to listen to the last <laughs> sentence and I got to pick up from there. That's hard, right? It's really hard. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Well, before we get into that, let's introduce you to the people. So Chelsea is here and we, how long has it been since we've been friends? Oh, girl. I don't know. No, it's been a while. I think since we were 14, 13, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think 12. I was going to say 12. I think 12. Okay. So we've been friends since we were 12 years old. We both play soccer. So we met on the soccer field. Playing soccer. Right? Yeah. I was playing up. I do remember I was playing like two years up. And then your dad. Oh, I don't know who he knew from where I was playing. Your coach. Yeah. It was either my right? coach or my father. And they were like, hey, we need an extra girl for a tournament or something like that. And yeah, I think that's how we met. Yeah, so it's been about 20 years. Almost, almost 20 Lord. <laughs> We're adults. That's insane. I don't even feel like an adult. Me either. I still yeah. feel like that 12 year old I'm still girl. trying to figure it out. Same. Hardcore. Okay, so we met when we were 12 on the soccer field. And we fell in love. <laughs> right away. Right away. <laughs> right away we fell in love. Sophia, it's so funny because Sophia was just like that skinny girl on the field. But, ooh, she got down dirty. <laughs> yes, for sure. And she was always really sweet. Thanks, Chels. I definitely was always very skinny. You guys used to call me chicken legs. But at I least know. Emily That's did. so mean. It's, it was true. It was true, but that's still mean. <laughs> it's like bullying. It wasn't. It was all love. All right, it's cool. It was, and then it was we, true. Called, we called Emily Bearclaw. Memories. Oh, man. Okay, so speaking of memories, what is one of your, like, your first or favorite memories of us together? Oh, in the car? Going to tournaments, singing our lives away. Keisha Cole, love. <laughs> love, love. Never knew what I was missing. What the hell did we know about love <laughs> at 12, 13 years old? Nothing. And I know nothing about it now. <laughs> oh, girl. I'm just figuring it out. <laughs> okay, I literally was thinking about that question, and I was like, she's definitely going to say the car rides. The car rides. The car rides were the best. For sure. I think. And then once we got to the tournaments, we would terrorize the hotels. Yeah. I think my favorite part 
Well, obviously it was the car ride. So my dad used to pick us all up and my dad had the best taste Poor man. in music. Poor, Poor man. <laughs> he loved it though. And he, he had the best taste in music. So he would blast Keisha Cole, like Ja Rule, fabulous for us. And we were 12, 13, 14 years old, rapping with curse words, like talking about lame. sex. Like literally like we should not have been listening to that music, but my dad put us on. I love it though. It was amazing. It was it was honestly the greatest memories ever. Ever. And I feel as if it, how do I say it? It kind of molded me. Well, it didn't kind of. It did mold me into the person I am today. Just all those memories. It's like you had a sisterhood. I'm an only child. So having you girls around all the time, it just felt awesome. It made me kind of come out of my shell. Yeah. What a lot of people don't know is that I'm really shy. And with you guys, I was never really shy. I am. I'm really shy. But like with when you, you guys, don't I'm know not. people. You mean? Mm, no, usually in team settings, I'm usually the quiet one and they would I would come off as being like the bitch of the team, but it's not that. It's just insecurity and just being really shy yeah. and observing everyone. But once I'm very comfortable with you, oh it's on. It's on. <laughs> She's not shy. I do <laughs> not shut up. This is true. This is true. So during childhood into our teenage years, we had so many memories, the car rides, like we said, hotels, soccer tournaments. I think another um, favorite memory of mine is when we would go to the hotels or like Myrtle Beach. Oh, Myrtle Beach. Oh, I forgot (laughs) about Myrtle Beach. We'll talk about that in a second. So when we would go to hotels, our mission obviously was to win the tournament, right? Yes, of course. Obviously, which we always did. Very competitive. (laughs) But another mission of ours was to find the boys' soccer team. In the this hotel. is so embarrassing. It, tell me it was not. It's very true. <laughs> very true. I mean, we were born. Right? And we were... We needed some excitement. Now, did we know anything about boys? I would totally shut down once I saw the boys. I would not. She wouldn't. I'm going to be very... She's very outgoing. <laughs> Sophia is the one that would be like, hi, how are you? What's yeah. your name? And I'm like, oh my God. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, so that was another that was fun core memory for me was finding the boys soccer teams and we were supposed to be in bed and we would like try to sneak out and we would go- sneak out we would do all the things but you know what like I said it really molded us into being the women we are today it really did we had some good times I remember this one boy that I like fell in love with and I don't know if you remember him I think I was like 14 Who? we were in Boston at a futsal tournament I think I don't remember I think um, his name was Cheeky that was his nickname. Oh my gosh, was he Spanish? He obviously. Very Latin. Was he Colombian? <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> yep, with that name. But yeah, so meeting boys at the hotels is so fun. That was fun. And then we got older. We were about like 16 and we went to Myrtle Beach. That was a mess. I don't even think my parents know about this. Well, if they listen, so if, they, if they watch this, <laughs> they will know now. Know. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was very interesting. That was the first time I ever picked up a white guy ever in my life he was blonde <laughs> blue eyes Wait, looks like which one what was his name i don't know he was like the really tall hot one and everyone was were. like no 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 he was like the tall robot no, he was, looking was one. he blonde he was blonde i remember this because i was the only blonde in my life that has ever had the balls to hit on me i don't guys i white men just don't like me <laughs> i don't I think tried. That, i don't think that's true i think they're just intimidated by you no i just i don't know i have no idea well, I don't know if it's the hair, but yeah, I picked up a white guy. His name started with a G. Garrett. How do I remember that? <laughs> Garrett. Wow. 
Oh, hi, Garrett. Hey. <laughs> Don't know where you are. <laughs> oh, my Nothing God. happens. Just to put this out there, nothing <laughs> happens. But hey, the guy likes me. <laughs> okay, so Myrtle Beach. I don't think my parents know the full story, but I don't think they'll listen to this. <laughs> so uh, I think your dad kind of knows the full story. He, yeah, well, we got in trouble. He knows so that's parts. why, right? <laughs> yeah. So our tournament was over by this point. So we were just in Myrtle Beach extending our vacation. So it was five of us girls. Marcella was crazy enough. My dad. After the tournament to take us on a vacation five teenage girls to myrtle beach <laughs> and it five. was and was it in the summer or was it like spring 100 percent, it was in the summer because it was hot it was summer oh yeah it was summer because all the okay so i'm getting ahead of myself so we went to they were graduating yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we were in myrtle beach and we told my dad we were going to go to the beach because it was walking distance. So we all, the five of us girls went, put our beach bags together, went to the beach, get in the water. And what do we see next to us in the water? Boys. Hot ones. Very hot ones. <laughs> Seniors. And we were sophomores? I don't or remember. Juniors. I think we were freshmen, honestly. Oh, yeah. I think we were freshmen. I think we were freshmen. Okay, so we were 15. And we're in the water. And we see these really cute boys. And they swim over to us. Or do we swim over to them? No, they swim over to us. Okay. We're not that desperate, okay? <laughs> so we, they swim over to us. And it turned out they were on their last, like, boys trip before they all went away to college. Yeah. Right? So they were seniors. And they were like, we have a house. Why don't you girls come? <laughs> so. There's the quiet one. Just listening. <laughs> I was like, hey, guys, I'm down for whatever. <laughs> so... We, like, hung out with them at the beach for a little yeah. bit, got to know them, and they, they were, were so fun. They were normal. We felt safe. We weren't serial killers. Right. So we ended up going, hanging out, having a great time. First time in my life that I've ever played beer ball, beer pong, just because I come from the city. Right. Not the city. I come from Queens. I mean, public schools in Queens, we wouldn't really play beer pong. That wasn't our culture, per se. Our culture was hookies. Hookies? That's just another. What's yeah, that? Yeah, hookie parties. You would cut school and you would go to parties. During the day, during you would drink. The day? Yeah, it was crazy. Wait a second. Hold it was insane. I need to hear more about this. So hold on. that wasn't our our culture was dancing. Okay, is, is there okay? So hookies, what were hookies? Really hookie quick? parties were you would cut school and you would go to someone's house and it'd be everyone from a different high school, Bayside, Cardozo, Newtown, Bound, depending, what? and it'd be a party during at, the day at like one neutral location at one neutral location usually it was like in the area that wasn't so great obviously elmhurst around <laughs> corona that, but like those places but people from all different high schools would come yeah and That's it was really so funny cool. because you could tell by how they dressed where they were from where they were from that kids is from bayside i was from bayside so all the girls with like the juicy couture bags and the the, the whole tracksuit. Yeah. Yep. We were from Bayside. That is so cool. No, it was not cool. Why? Because we would fail. Okay. Oh, so not well, cool. Okay. Not cool. Yeah. Like, I'm saying that sounds fun for like. Oh, it sounds fun. As a high school kid to meet other high school kids from different towns. Because from my high school experience, I only stayed in my town. Oh no! Everyone and, from New York City like knows each other. That's so cool. From Queens, everyone knows each other. That's really cool. Okay. The Bronx. So fast forward from high school now. Sorry. No, no, that was Off good. Track. I love that story. Wait, weren't we at the Myrtle Beach story? Oh, right. I thought we finished that one. No, we did not. Okay. So where did I you I said end? that it was my first experience playing beer ball. Oh, right. And, and then we got pong. sidetracked. From and the we got sidetracked. Parties. Okay, okay, okay. So how many days did we hang out with them? I think we were there for a good four days. So we went 
from the beach straight to their house. They had like a frat house. It was disgusting. It was a frat house. They had a bunch of beer cans on a corner (laughs) just to count how many beers they've drank. Which it had to be like at least 100. A good 200. I'm not I'm not mistaken. Who went in it? went in the pile did she threw herself i was gonna say did she willingly go in or did we push her in i don't remember but they both sound very accurate (laughs) i don't know which one would do and it's also something she would do for sure we had a good time we had we we played all these games did things we shouldn't be doing underage but obviously we almost drowned at the beach at night yes that was really stupid so well let's tell them why so went into the beer cans like full-blown swam in the (laughs) the beer beer can can. pile (laughs) head first head first so we had to go back to my dad and it was nighttime she smelled like beer because she went swimming in the beer cans so us being the brilliant teenagers that we were we were like you should go swimming in the deep dark ocean to not smell like beer anymore that was dumb that was so stupid no underage drinking, please, for anyone who's underage. Just don't do and what no we did. No swimming in the sea. Do not swim in the ocean with no lifeguards. Anyway, she almost floated away, but <laughs> but we got her. We rescued her. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> and then we're like trotting through the streets, soaking wet, soaking. like smelling terrible, like salt and beer and boys and just so it was bad. It was bad. We made it home. We got in trouble. We got in trouble. My parents never found out. But we got in trouble with my dad. We got in dad, trouble with Marcelo. Like, that's like one of the only times I was in trouble with him ever in my life. Yeah, no, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Let's keep going. Okay. So anyway, that was Myrtle Beach. Learn from us. Do not do that. And fast forward, we graduate high school. We go off to college. And we remain friends. But obviously, we with all some split. friendships. Yeah. yeah. You split up, you create new lives, new friends. I got shipped off to Florida. I was going to say, where did you go first? And then how did we end up back together? Tell me that. I got shipped off to Stetson and Florida. That was interesting. Did you like it? That was a culture shock. It was a culture shock. I was already used to being away from home and being away from family, friends. But being in the south of Florida was very different just because there was cows outside. Okay. Oh my gosh. There was... you couldn't get anywhere without a car. So that was definitely a culture shock. But needless to say, I had a great experience. Not, I mean, not the greatest experience. Hence why I came back to New York. But it was cool. I made new friends. And then, and then you text who? I text Sophia. Because, well, something <laughs> happened in Florida. And I was like, yo, help, help. My mom's going to kill me. They just took away my scholarship. Please help. <laughs> Sophia came to the rescue again. Always there for you, girl. And she spoke to Mike. Yes. So Chelsea texted me. I think it was our sophomore year. It was our soft. No. Yeah. It was our going into our sophomore year of college. I texted her in July. Okay. July. We were going into preseason in August. Right. I got released a week, maybe maybe a week and a half before preseason. Preseason took away my whole scholarship, guys. Just imagine how a Spanish mom would react. <sighs> reacted. Yeah. I, t- I got Chelsea the plug and I went to Iona College and that's where Chelsea came and yeah, met me. Which is also D1. Yes, of course. Yeah. We no- played D1, by the way. Nothing less. I don't know if she mentioned this in her other podcast, but yeah, we played D1. <laughs> I think I mentioned it yeah. in my first one. Yeah. So we played Division One soccer together for junior year and senior year, right? Sophomore, junior, and senior. All three? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I transferred sophomore. Okay. So, yeah. So, we played in college three years together. And then I wanted to talk to you about post college soccer so i remember when we were in college you were talking about going to columbia to play soccer and like exploring the professional career and you were like you should come with me and oh yeah i was always trying to get everyone else to go with me i was like guys come on let's go (laughs) ever since i was young i knew what i wanted to do straight off the bat i wanted to be a professional soccer player all my yearbooks professional soccer player soccer player soccer player soccer player i also wanted to be a broadcaster but initially soccer player and i knew that straight out of college i wanted to play pro so that's what happened. And luckily I got into the national team. I was on the U16 national team, U17, sorry, for Columbia. So I was already kind of in the roster. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, after college, that's when I really explored it. I traveled a lot. So playing pro soccer was your dream since you were a kid. Yes. We both were super passionate about soccer, but I never wanted to be pro. So I guess for you, my question is post-college, Like, I knew I was going to get a career in speech, be a speech pathologist, work at a school. I knew where my future was. For you, pro soccer is not a definite. It's a challenge and it's a risk. So that entire time post-college when you were deciding what to do and like where to play and like training and rehabbing and all of your surgeries and all that stuff. What was the hardest thing that you have gone through in terms of trying to become a professional soccer player and exploring that world and being in that world? I think being in that world, what was the most difficult thing for me, aside from my surgeries in the beginning, I had a really complicated situation because of my knee surgeries, right? I tore everything at once, ACL, MCL, everything, my senior year. And at that point, I was at my peak. I was getting ready to go with the national team. I was already going to camps during the summer. I think the hardest part for me was believing in myself. I will say coach Mike, Mm -hmm. at least for me, as much as I hated him during that time, (laughs) we did not like each other. We did. We hated and loved each other. He taught me how to just keep going forward. Mm -hmm. You kind of just don't look back. I feel like also he helped you as well Mm -hmm. in the sense of your mindset. There's a lot of things that you do now where I'm just like, that's Mike. No, that is not. I mean, now it's for her, but it's part of her. His mindset was just, I'm getting these girls ready to take on the world Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what he did for whatever their goals were and that's kind of like where I was at after my surgeries you know it was like all right I know I'm gonna make it there was no ifs or buts it was I know I'm going to make it and I did I did get very far Mm -hmm. I got to Spain then I went to Italy but in between that with all the injuries for me it was kind of always the confidence Now, it's one thing believing in yourself with surgeries and you're like, all right, I I know I'm going to go back to playing. But it's another thing when you're in a room full of women who are competing. Mm -hmm. And it's very catty. Oh, yeah. It's very catty. And you have to be you have to be ready. The mindset of -hmm. it, you know, now the training, the training came easy to me. The uh, waking up at five in the morning, training three times a day. But for me, the most difficult thing was walking into a room and believing that I belonged there. Even yeah. though I, I, I mean, I knew I belonged there because obviously I worked my ass off. Mm-hmm. But some part of me inside was just like, oh, do I really belong here? Like, what am I doing? I was always kind of scared. 
And that's definitely something that all my coaches, like they always said about me, that was kind of their complaint. They're like, you're very talented, but it's your confidence Mm -hmm. on the field where you need to believe in yourself. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I do appreciate you mentioning Mike because I think he did mold us into the people oh. and the competitors that we, that we are today. Yeah, molded um, us. For All sure. Right. And I know he listened. So hi, Mike. Hey. <laughs> so Coach Mike was our college coach at Iona and he was super tough on us. I remember he kicked me out because I couldn't do one. <laughs> I think he kicked everyone he out did. at some point. He did. I couldn't do a proper sit up like fully and he kicked me out. I remember that. I remember <laughs> I was late to practice with my ACL to- just torn. I just had surgery and I slept through my alarm because I fell asleep on the phone with my boyfriend at the time. And so my alarm didn't go off and none of my teammates came to find me before they went to practice. And so let's also add Playing D1 is very different from playing any other division. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was crazy. Like me coming, you would think like in, in a Division 2 or a Division 3 sport, I'm guessing, if you go late, like you just maybe run a lap or two. But like I came late. Not us. Yeah. I came late just off of an ACL surgery <laughs> and I'm hobbling through campus like as fast as I can to get to practice because Mike's motto was if you're on time, you're late if you're early, you're on time. So I knew I was late. I was like, late, late. She was late. I was like, and oh my guess God. who had to run? Not her. Not me, because I couldn't. So no, my, even if you could, he wouldn't make he you wouldn't run. Have, he would I, have her sit there and just stare at us. So my, so my, <laughs> so my, not even like a saint because I learned so much that day. My punishment from him, just so you guys know where we come from in the soccer world, my punishment from coming late to that practice was to sit down and watch my teammates sprint for the remainder of the practice. Which was two hours. It was awful everyone was pissed at me i was hysterical crying but yeah mike definitely molded us into the competitors we are and then you went and played pro and had that mentality of like i'm gonna get it there's no other option and you got there and you're saying that your confidence level was what kind of always got in your way so you were your own worst enemy in a sense i was my own worst enemy until today i'm still my my worst enemy it was just believing that i belonged in that room Mm -hmm. and women are catty and especially when you're coming off of such a big surgery that takes a huge toll on you because you're already set back as it is physically so now it's like you got to play the part girl yeah and this might rub people the wrong way sorry but this should this has to be said I have realized that in women's soccer, at least in Colombia, that's where I really kind of suffered a lot. If you're a good looking woman, they make your life living hell. And if you're from America, no. And if you're from America. It's not my fault I got good looks, just saying. No, I'm kidding. But they really do make your life living hell when as in they don't even know what things you're personally going through. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. They're like, oh no, she's just here because uh, she's pretty and Mm -hmm. it's the marketing and no. I worked my ass off to be here. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't even I don't even want the cameras on me. Matter of fact, yeah. I genuinely didn't. There was a point, there was a point in my career where I would get to a team and I would tell them specifically, I would tell my agent, "Please tell them not to take pictures of me." That's that's how low it got for well, me. That's crazy. So it sounds like definitely the mental struggle was way worse than the physical training and all of that stuff. But let's yeah, let's kind of take it there. Whatever you feed yourself, you start believing it. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm at now in my life, which I think you're also exploring too, you know, how manifesting works. I am trying to train myself to say 
things that I want in this life as if I have them already. Whereas like back then, you probably weren't in that mindset of like, I'm the best professional athlete right now. Like you were kind of like, well, I don't belong here. And so it's really that mindset and the beliefs that we tell ourselves that actually will come true. Words are so powerful. Words are so powerful. Like for me with this podcast, I'm saying I have a badass major podcast. Like that's how I'm training my brain right now. It's like, I have an amazing podcast. I'm interesting. I'm entertaining. People love me. I'm going to blow up really soon. Like that's it. That's the mindset you have There's no question. That energy that we give off is what will change our lives. And that's what I'm trying to practice more now. And so I guess with that thinking, post pro soccer, you don't play pro anymore. How was that? The transition out of that and then into the real world and like finding out who you are. So for me, my retirement wasn't your most natural retirement. For me, it was more of my injuries and then just having an unfortunate situation happen to me in my last year where I fell into the wrong hands, the wrong coach, and he basically ended my career. And I just decided where I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this anymore. I felt like I was in the shadow in a way. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was just like, I really don't belong here. Right? So for me, that was very tough. Where that that wasn't the case. I did belong there. It was just, you fall into the wrong hands, unfortunately, in in the sport. And politics does play a huge part. Mm -hmm. And luck plays a huge part. So for me, when I retired... I was dealing with an identity crisis. I was dealing with not wanting to come out to public and speak to people because every time I would go out, they'd ask me, oh, what are you doing? Where Mm -hmm. are you playing? What's going on? And I didn't know what to answer. I didn't know what my next move was going to be. I always knew I wanted to broadcast, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't my passion. I'm still dealing with it. I think grieving is a huge part of the process because you're grieving who you once were and you're also grieving the sport, grieving a lot. And the idea of what your life was going to be. Of what my life was going to be, of who I wanted to be, my goals, Mm -hmm. right? Because I wanted to go to the World Cup. Mm -hmm. My goals were pretty big. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I aimed aimed for the stars. I wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to go to the World Cup, and I was very close. Mm -hmm. So imagine being so close and then feeling like you're the issue and you're the problem. And that's when I, I really fell into depression because I was like, it's me. I'm not good enough. I don't belong here. When I just wasn't really looking from the outside and I was like, I don't have control over some of these things. Mm -hmm. I don't have control over decisions. I don't have control over my body, how it's reacting. I don't have control over anything. Mm -hmm. It's not my fault. It's okay. You know, but uh, I'm doing therapy now. (laughs) Um, That helps. Yeah, no, I'm going to therapy. I started therapy. I was in and out of therapy because I went into really, really dark depression. And then also you spend so much time alone during all these years where you don't have those true friendships per Mm -hmm. se. So I would come home and I kind of felt lost yeah, because I was like, where do I belong? Who do I belong with? I would go hang out with my friends. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, acquaintances. I would go hang out, but I didn't feel like I belonged there either. Right. I kind of felt like an outsider because I was just like, well, that doesn't. I don't find that very interesting. I'm not a drinker either. So I'm like, oh, I don't really want to drink. Can you believe I was with Roma? And I didn't take not one picture while I was there because I felt like I didn't belong there. Wow. Meanwhile, I was playing my best soccer. Like I was playing amazing. Even the coach would say like, you're doing really well. Mm -hmm. For my mom to see this, that's tough. So I would come home and it was just like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing with my life? (laughs) Yeah. But meanwhile, like I was living all these really cool experiences that other people wouldn't really get to experience. Yeah. 
one of my most memorable moments. I will never forget this. It was one of the most saddest moments of my life, but mm-hmm. one of the most memorable moments of my life. I always spoke to my mom about going on a train and traveling through Europe, right? My parents, I'm the first generation here. Um, They struggled. They struggled. There was, a, there was a time that they were struggling for money and they would send me to tournaments on my own by myself. Uh, sacrifices, you know? So for me to even think that I would get to go to Europe, you know, with my mom and backpack through Europe. That was never even a thought. I was like, that's never going to happen. I got to do it. I got to live her dreams for us. You know, I had to go to a tryout. I was in, where was I? I was in Vienna. I was in Austria and they called me for a tryout in Italy. And at that moment I had to pay for my travel. Mm -hmm. I didn't have not even $150 in my bank account. People don't know this, obviously. People didn't know this. I didn't have not even $150 in my bank account, and I did not want to tell my parents. They would help me, obviously, but I also know the struggle that they were going through. I was like, all right, what? what's the cheapest way for me to get there? Train. Granted, it's like 13, 14 hours to get there by train. I was like, all right, I can't get on a plane, so I, let me do the train thing. I paid, I think, 50, 50 euros or whatever, and I traveled through v- from Vienna to Italy and I remember sitting on the train and just seeing all these like different sceneries and I was like oh my gosh meanwhile I'm on this train I'm going through like the worst time of my life because I don't know if I'm gonna make this team I don't know what's going on I was in a relationship at that time my relationship was on the line god bless you if you're watching this (laughs) for even putting up with any of this uh and yeah but I took in the moment I was like oh my gosh this is something that I've always dreamed of. And this is what God is giving me. And my mom will never get to see this, you know? So that was beautiful. In that time though, you probably felt like I like I can't even afford a flight. And you were probably like upset initially. Oh, that girl, you the couldn't... things I went through on that trip. Yeah. Oof, and then if you knew. Yeah, my relationship was on the line and we broke up because I chose soccer over my relationship yeah that's really tough that's why i didn't choose to go play pro after college was because i had a relationship like always and i didn't want to yeah no, i was out yeah i i was <laughs> i was scared of that but i know that you went through a hard time during your professional soccer career and then also retiring was really really tough for you i want to talk about identity crisis because i also and i didn't even try to play pro but i definitely experienced that even recently from being a girlfriend my entire life to being single. I was like, okay, who's Sophia if I'm not a girlfriend? Also after college, after college soccer. For me and you, soccer was a huge part of our lives and a huge part of our connection with our fathers. So that's something that we can also relate on is that relationship with our dad. So once I stopped playing soccer, my relationship with my dad changed too because we no longer had this thing that was connecting us and making us bond over this such intense passion that we both shared. So there was a lot of identity crisis and identity struggle for me post-college soccer. I was like, who who am I? Um, I have to work out on my own now. I have to go to the gym. What? Like, I didn't know who I was. Because you're I'm, in a routine your whole life. Right. We're they, told. they make your, like, they literally construct your whole life. Right. We're told what to do, when to be there. When to eat, how to eat, yeah. what to eat, like, things like that. And then you get out of the sport and you're just like, what do I do? Who, who, who am, am I? I? And your body, and now as a woman, your body starts changing mm-hmm. and you start seeing things that you didn't really see before. 
Yeah. Like, cellulite. Yeah. Um, cellulite's beautiful. Not for me. Like, for my personal body. But anyways. <laughs> love yourself. <laughs> but no, your body starts to change. And that's another thing where I'm going to get to. We are so used to being under the eye. Mm-hmm. Ever since we were young. Mm-hmm. Especially at the level that we played at. Yeah. D1 playing state ODP mm-hmm. from a very young age we're already being judged and critiqued every day every day of our lives mm-hmm. that's the age that you're basically molding into being a person to your own person and believing in yourself right so I I kind of I paint it like this imagine 12 year old girls which is fine this is what it takes to get at the high level imagine 12 year old girls going to a regional camp because you're the best in your state the best 22 now you're going to regional camp to see who are the best in the like the region so that you can go on and move on to national camp right you're already competitive because you have that mindset imagine 12 year old girls running to see a list every night to see if you're good enough based on someone else's opinion and that's also based on your body on how your body functions if you're fast enough if you're strong enough if you're going through puberty Mm -hmm. i love that you brought that up because it's that was a crazy experience i only went once and i remember that feeling of oh my god did i make it did i make it i mean well i'm I was a very good soccer player. Like, we were very talented. But put put young girls like that in a pool of however many girls in total, you feel so insecure. And it really depends on, really depends on the opinion of other people, right? On what they want. Adults that most probably don't even know about the game, right? I remember they wrote, I was too technical. What? excuse me <laughs> sir and i went home i will never forget this i went home crying to my dad and i was like i'm too technical <laughs> i need to be stronger like w- what is that it's fine it is what it is but i went through that my entire life so luckily you went through that once right well for I, state yeah for state i went through it every freaking year of my life and then when i got to national camp they were weighing me taking my body fat to see if I was up to par, if I was overweight, if I was, and that's fine. It's part of the game. Like I said, I take it. It's perfectly fine. But you know what? Now as an adult, I'm dealing with so many freaking insecurities Mm -hmm. because I also went into a career where I'm literally getting judged every day of my life. And you're on camera. And I'm on camera. And little do you know of the things and the insecurities that I'm going through, but that's not their issue. You know, it's me getting out of my own head and playing the part. Can you perform? Can I perform? Mm -hmm. Am I speaking properly? Do Do I look look good enough? Do I look good enough? Am I speaking too Latin? Do I sound too New York? That was another thing. Yeah. And that was another question that I had for you um, today was just being under the microscope. Like I know for soccer, for me growing up and for us, like we were under the microscope then for soccer. And for me, like you were saying for regional camp and ODP and state and professional you were getting judged and critiqued all the time mine was a little different because I felt like I was being judged and critiqued every single day by my dad yeah my dad was our coach so he never wanted to show favoritism and he never wanted anyone to think that I was getting special treatment because I was the hardest treatment so 
because I was his daughter, he would never compliment me. I could be wrong, but I don't remember my dad ever saying like, great shot, great try, like good game, Soph. And as a child, like he was my coach since, I don't even know how old I was, like eight or nine, to not get complimented by your, your dad. That's a lot. And to only get critiqued by your dad. And I was captain. I was always under the microscope as a kid into my teenage years on the soccer field. And all I ever wanted was the approval of my father. And I never felt like I got it verbally. I know he loved me and showed me. And oh, he, he would loves take you us, so much. He would take us to tournaments and concerts and games and all. He would take such good care of us. But when it came to the soccer aspect, um, I feel like I was always looking for his approval and I always wanted to be perfect and good enough and accepted by him. And since I didn't feel like I got his validation, that messed me up as an adult. I went through the same thing with my, I'm still going through the same thing with my dad and my family. Uh, with my dad, he was very tough on me. You know, my dad, mm -hmm. shout out to Marcos. What's up? Um, yeah, he was really tough on me my entire life. And now as an adult, we've had that conversation where he was like, I've done. I'm sorry, but it's too late. You know, the damage was done the damage already. And now we have to, I like, get so emotional when I talk about this, but for you to get off the field and for your dad to tell you you're a disgrace, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, that's a lot, you know? And also like, I was very close to my dad because my parents were going through a divorce. So how would we bond through soccer? You know? Yeah. And I was, I, I don't doubt this. I'm literally the star of his eyes. He loves me so much. But he had a weird way of showing it when I played. He mm -hmm. wanted the best for me. He would yell at me because he knew I could do better, you know. But at that moment, I was dealing with such like confidence issues as well, trying to find my place on the field. And also, I was a very technical player, which would, for my position, it was more decision making, you know. Mm -hmm. So what they didn't know especially with you and me you can't you can't doubt that type of player you can't make them doubt themselves mm -hmm. because you know what that's a gift that they're given yeah. to read the game right and yeah. if that's what they think is right at that moment that's what it they're is. seeing that's what their yeah. eyes are seeing not you mm -hmm. you know but he would bash me he would literally bash me and get on me and get on me and then once i got to college and i think once i got injured I will never forget this. That was the first time I ever saw my dad cry because I remember that I I was in pain, but I was also scared because I was like, my career's over, you know? And that's also my dad's validation. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that was really tough. And I think now, now he like, it's so funny. I call him like, dad, I sucked, right? And it's it's a normal thing because mm -hmm. we were so used to it. Dad, I didn't do well, right? Like his approval. He's like, no, you did great. And I'm like, bullshit. Aww, so he's <laughs> to be honest with me, he's like, I love you so much. And in my head, I'm like, oh, you're such a liar. <laughs> so he changed it around. He changed it around. But you know what? With a lot of therapy, I've learned they weren't given a pamphlet. So yep, that's what I always say. They had no guidance. They had no guidance themselves on how to be parents. And they also didn't have the best parenting. They didn't have the best guidance. My dad had that tough love that, you know, he doesn't yep. believe in therapy. Yep. God bless his soul. He's like, they're messing you up. I'm like, actually, they are not. They're helping me deal with you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so, so they were doing the best that they could 
and loving us at the way that they could at that moment and making the decisions that they thought were correct. A hundred percent. I say that all the time. Yeah, I, I tell myself that all the time all just the to time. remind myself. When it was our parents' turn to raise us, they didn't know what they were doing. There was not YouTube back then. There was no TikTok back then. So they, they didn't have immediate answers the yeah, way they that really we have now. Either. <laughs> yeah, so like they, they did what they could. It's I, crazy that, yeah, because of our sport, we became so close. Like that was our way of bonding with them. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know about your dad, um, but my dad is not very verbal in terms of like expressing himself, expressing his feelings. Like, it's a struggle for my dad to say oh. I love you to me. So, or more solo. Yeah, so he, he doesn't saying I love you is really difficult meanwhile for him. if you know Soph like Soph is very sensitive I love you I love you, I love you. yeah Soph is very sensitive she's like I love you so much yeah. <laughs> and that's and I think that's why I am that way is because I don't remember growing up getting that from my parents now as an adult I give what I want to receive and so since I never really felt like I was receiving that I that's all I know how to give and is that all goes into your relationship and then that goes, goes into everything yeah. and, then and then you gotta figure I've, it out and then it gets messy that's why I've always been a giver I've always but that's also why I've always seek validation from men because I've always seek validation from my dad and I didn't get it so then I seek that from my boyfriends didn't get it and, and it that's was tough. just it was it was really tough but now I'm aware of it all and you are aware of it all and our relationships with our dads is the most sacred thing to us like i could cry if i wanted to in a second about my dad just oh yeah the other day i was i was i was home and i was going to sleep and i got really emotional by myself and bad and i was like i love my dad so much and i'm like what the hell is i was like i just love him so much and i wanted to call him it was like 12 a.m and i wanted to call him and just be like i love you so much like it hurts it but i'm like this is not normal <laughs> no it is normal and i had the same feeling like a couple days really? ago i saw i saw a video on instagram of like a girl and her dad and it got me so emotional so like it is normal and it's okay. normal because so i feel normal yeah it's normal because a, a girl's first love is her father yeah like straight out the womb once we're born females our first true love is our dad that, that's why that connection is there but i'm glad we can bond over that yeah we, can, we definitely bond i was reading this book the other day sorry to get off track but they made a really cool point you have a thought and then you also think about the thoughts mm -hmm. right when the initial thought comes up in your head it's just a thought mm -hmm. and it's positive it's good but once you start thinking about it that's when you start seeing like the negatives and you start comparing and that's when you start to go downhill and that's why vocabulary and self-talk is so important because once you start thinking yeah it's off so you're focusing mostly on now figuring out the things that make you happy yeah filling your life with healthy choices and slowing down slowing love, down i love that you said slowing down because i'm currently also trying to slow down which could look like me quitting my second job which is really a tough decision for me but um spe speech therapy but i go into people's apartments oh, okay and yeah, yeah, do that. um oh, i thought like, that was like the whole shebang no i go i work at the school full-time so i have two jobs i work at a school full-time and then i do early intervention therapy in people's homes with the babies yeah. which guys i knew that i just didn't know this was like two separate jobs <laughs> yeah yeah, right, yeah they're two they're not the same they're separate so i'm thinking of quitting the second one because it takes so much of my time and the only question is money can i do it so i'm doing a lot of reassessing right now of like what i can cut out what what can help me to slow down so i really it's hard i love that you said that and i love that you have the opportunity now to slow down before your life picks back up again and you can kind of figure yeah. out you know what does make you happy so i have one more question to wrap this up and then we're gonna <laughs> and then we're gonna play a game okay so 
If you could go back in time and tell your 13-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Oh, this is hard. Look back at that 13-year-old Chelsea. What does she need to hear? You're good enough. Oh, I know that's so that's so simple but that's so, so good. simple. You're good enough. You're great. Okay. And you got this. Don't let anyone dim your shine. I love that's that. just outside noise for sure. Because there's a lot of people that are going to dim your light because of their own insecurities. Love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on 30 Going on 13. Thanks. But do you want to play a game? Sure. All right. We're gonna you play. made me cry. I know. I love Cute. that. <sighs> crying Just... on 30 Going on 13 is a ritual now. I love crying. I love crying. I've recently just discovered, like, I love crying, you it's know? It's so good for the soul. I'm not a drinker, but I've realized that when I drink, I'm like, oh, I want to cry. <laughs> what are we crying about tonight? <laughs> All right, so we are going to play a game. I think a lot of people have heard of it, but it's called Would You Rather. Okay. Okay. We have to wrap this up soon because I have to go to a dinner. Because I got to go to Trader Joe's, okay, too. Perfect. Okay, perfect. So cool. <laughs> we'll try to do quick answers. All right. Go. All right. Um, so rapid fire, Would You Rather. That's a workout video. Okay, ready? Yeah. Would you rather be with a guy? Let me put this here, actually. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, ready? <laughs> Would you rather be with a guy who's really good at a sport, but it's not soccer? Or he plays soccer, but he's just average? No, he's really great at his sport. I agree. Same. Yeah, because it's Easy. a certain mindset that yeah. they have. It comes with a lot. It's a mindset mentality. And I'm very attracted to it. Oh, my gosh. Like that yes. too. It's like, okay. talk to me all day. So, Keep talking to me. <laughs> okay, so we agree on that one. Okay. Would you rather be texting a lot throughout the day or FaceTime at night? Like one Oh, quick... I hate FaceTiming. <gasps> Text Ooh, me. Okay. Oh, my God. Don't even call me, bro. Really? Yeah, no. Okay. I mean, if it's, if it's someone I'm talking to, okay, we can FaceTime. I think I'd, rather, I'd want a mix of both. You have to pick one. That's not the game. (laughs) Okay, fine. Um, Her rules about her game. I'd rather text throughout the day. There you go. Okay. Would you rather your man take out the trash religiously without you asking or put the seat down without you asking? I lose my shit about both, but put the seat down. Because that's really annoying. Right? It's disgusting. Touch it and then like kick it down. It's loud. All right. I agree. I think I agree with you on that. I would rather them put the seat down. Would you rather your man surprises you with a gift from the mall? Or that he calls you and asks Surprise you, me. Wait, let me <laughs> surprise me. I love surprises. Or he calls you and asks you what you want specifically. Surprises. Surprise you. Surprises, because your man's supposed to know who you are and, and what, what you, you like. Yeah. I agree with you on that. I would rather be surprised. Now, I've gotten some really ugly gifts in the past where I'm just like, and then I question them and I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe you're you not really, called me. Yeah. <laughs> you should have called me or maybe you're just not for me because you don't know my style. Right. That's true. Would you rather lift weights with your man to go to the gym with him or go for a run with him i lift weights i agree with you on that i would rather lift weights with my partner as well because it's really hot to watch a guy lift weight really it doesn't turn me on at all really no none of that none of none of like the working out stuff really turns me on i don't like working out with my partner Weird. Really? I feel like there should be boundaries, and that's one of them. Really? You do your own thing, bro. I'll do my own thing. We hook up at night. Like, no, I no, see where no. your gains are at. You'll see where my gains are at. And yeah, cool. <laughs> but, we don't have to watch each other. but we do not have to work out together. Wow. I'm not with you on that one. Although recently I've been seeing certain people like do yoga and things, and I'm like, okay, maybe I can do that with my partner. That's kind of hot. Yoga with a man is the most sensual activity that you can do in public. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. 
my gym offers yoga and everyone's all sweaty it gets hot in there it's dark it's dark it gets the sensual music, it's like oh just zen. So, it's so zen that energy it's so good i've been doing a lot of yoga lately highly suggest doing that with your man would you rather he burps a lot or he farts a lot burps <laughs> farting was, is not cute that was so quick. i hate farting oh my gosh i hate it i hate gas okay hate it. okay okay next disgusting <laughs> All right, burps a lot. I think I would prefer burping too, but I would prefer farting if they didn't smell. Disgusting. If they didn't smell. No. What if they're loud but they don't smell? No. Wow. Okay. I don't want to hear something. No. Really? But you would rather him burp all Disgusting. the time? All right. I- would you rather that he has an arm sleeve or he's six foot? Oh. And and if he has the arm sleeve, he's not six foot. So he's like he can be five nine. A little bit taller than you. He's a little bit taller than you and has an arm sleeve. Arm sleeve. Or he's six foot. Arm sleeve and he's a little taller than me. Because I'm tall. Same. Arm sleeve all oh, the way. I love tattoos. Me too. Why do I Why love tattoos so, so attractive? Much? I don't know. Especially the arm sleeve. But <sighs> men with sleeves. Come on now. Girl. Let's okay. manifest that for me. <laughs> Sophia will have a man with a sleeve. Fat. I hear you. Sister. I will have a man with a sleeve. Uh, One more you. time. Let's I go. will have Let's a go. man with a sleeve. You want to say it with me? Sophia will have, have a man, man with, with a sleeve. sleeve. Thank you. Thank okay, you. We're good. And I feel it coming. Me too. Thank you so much. No uh, I wanted to say thank you <laughs> for coming. I love you so much. Thank I'm you. proud of you. I'm so proud of you. No, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm proud that you even like made this happen. Thank you. The whole podcast. In general. It's hard it is hard i love it so much isn't it fun yes it's so fun but really i'm proud of you thank good, you good stuff i'm proud of you um and our growth we've yes, come a long come way a long since way. we were 12 yeah 20 almost 20 years of friendship right here yeah and we're not going anywhere we're not going anywhere i love you so much no matter how much distance is between us no matter how much time is between it's us it's so weird we get together and it's just like the same the same every time yeah nothing ever changes yeah, nothing ever changes us. i love you i love you so much thank you for you coming Thank you for being on 30 Going On 13. Thank you for having me. Of course. Peace. Yay. Oh my God, that was long now. Yeah, they're always long.